Hello, and welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, CEO and founder of StaffGeek. I would like to welcome my guest to the show today, Libby Fumara. Libby manages global HR and talent at Digital Shadows, a company specializing in digital risk protection. She joined Digital Shadows in 2015 as the first people slash HR hire and has built out their talent functions across London, United States, Singapore, and Germany. Welcome, Libby, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, Sean. Happy to be here. Absolutely. We have an exciting topic to talk about today, which is part of your description, and that's really the challenges presented with building a successful and a healthy international culture, right? So when your team has a, a presence as significant as yours, we want to learn more about what we can do about building and managing that culture. So Definitely. More important now than ever, I'd say. Right. Tell me about it, especially given the nature of the limitations of access to office and the, the significance now and presence of remote teams and being decentralized now more than ever. That's, I think this is really timely and relevant for those that are in the midst of either making these transitions. Um, so since uh, you have this experience having done so previously, we're excited to talk to you more about it because I know other people are going to have questions about it. Yeah, hopefully this uh, helps someone working through it. Excellent. So before we kind of dive in too much, if you could give us some background about yourself, uh, ultimately what led you to the position that you have now so that we can learn a little bit more about you. Sure. So I guess I have a pretty non-traditional HR career path. Um, I met Digital Shadows in 2015 while I was living in London, finishing a master's degree in organizational behavior. Um, prior to that, I had done more work in kind of project management, database management, um, and was actually thinking of a career in management consulting when I met Al, our CEO, and it was just a wonderful connection. I heard all about Digital Shadows and what they were doing. They were about 35 employees at the time, all based in London, where our company was founded, and they were looking to expand over into the U.S. And so after a few conversations and interviews, and more importantly, they put me through uh, what we called the social test, which was basically drinks at the pub with the whole company for the final round. I, I realized uh, these opportunities do not come your way very often, and I had to work with them. So I very quickly left London and moved out to San Francisco, where I was for about four and a half years before actually going fully remote myself um, back on the East Coast in Boston, where, where I'm originally from. Very cool. And what's super interesting about that as well, too, is you've been able to kind of experience working for that organization in different geographical locations before you even went remote. Yes, definitely. I would say that I was pretty foundational in really understanding the core of the company and I think was really, really helpful as much as I might not have seen it at the time. Very cool. So needless to say, you're probably the right person to talk to about this topic. <laughs> I hope so. If anything, <laughs> it's right. One of those things where you either uh, win or you learn. <laughs> We've made That's 20 right. mistakes along the way, but <laughs> always learn something from it. Exactly. No mistakes, lessons learned. That's the right yeah. way to phrase it. Yeah. Excellent. So talk to us a little bit about Digital Shadows Global Footprint, right? So what does that composition look like? And then we're going to talk more about the kind of the cultural challenges from that uh, moving forward from there. Sure. So we have a pretty large global footprint now, which is super exciting. As I mentioned, we were founded in London, where we have probably the majority of our workforce. Um, and then we expanded into San Francisco, quickly thereafter Dallas. 
And then about a quarter of our U.S. workforce is remote across the U.S. So we very quickly and early on had a fairly distributed workforce um, with a very large remote presence. And then over the past couple of years, we expanded into Germany and Asia Pacific as well. So we have uh, smaller offices in Germany and Singapore right now too. Very cool. That's exciting. And some really, uh, I would say, aggressive expansion. So things seem to have like developed quickly and uh, pretty much all over the world. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I think um, in a couple cases too, you know, when you think about hiring and recruiting talent in those regions, sometimes it was a, we, we know we want to hire this person. We have, you know, two weeks to figure out how to set up an employment in this region, which is always a mad, <laughs> mad dash, but really fun at the same time. It's awesome. Incredible opportunity to kind of learn and grow. Yeah. So definitely. talk to us too about, right, what challenges are presented by the nature and complexity of a structure like that? Yeah, it's, there are quite a lot of challenges and I'm not gonna pretend that we've figured them all out. I think it's something that each company will continuously work on. You know, anything with culture, you have to keep at it. Uh, so some of the biggest challenges that, that we have seen or currently are facing with is really around staying connected and aligned, right? So you have, I think, pretty clear cut product that you might be going after or ultimately where you want the company to be. But sometimes, especially when you have different cultures involved and ways of working, you can lose sight of how to get there together. And I think for us, um, a challenge earlier on was really just how do we, how do we really talk to each other in a way that that both pushes us and kind of we're allowing ourselves to give and receive feedback that's also very receptive and respectful towards the differences. Because I think I, as I talked about, it was a very quick expansion over into the US from the UK. And while you, a lot of folks might not think there's big differences within those regions, there actually are, even across the US, right? There's so many differences between Texas and California. Um, so I think for us, one of those initial hurdles was really how do we start speaking a similar language, if that makes sense, uh, <laughs> so culturally, to keep our, our goals and ourselves kind of aligned. I love it. And the part and one particular area that or what you mentioned was, right, uh, being able to do so together, right? So it's figuring out how to get there together, which is I think that's a great phrase to describe really what you're after here. Because, right, at the end of the day, the company as a whole, we, we were operating as a team. So obviously, we're capable of doing our things our way. But we also part of an organization. Right, so figuring out how those pieces fit together is part of the challenge. So that's, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that as well too, in terms of, it's like, how do you go about keeping everyone connected with a team that's you know global geographically and has a huge like decentralized presence? Yeah, absolutely. So another phrase that we use quite a bit to just help kind of reset, right? When you're ever in a big moment or big, time of transition is we all need to stay rowing in the same direction even if you don't necessarily agree with the decision at the time as long as you can still kind of see where that line of sight is and where you're going we'll we'll all be okay so we use that quite a bit to bring ourselves back and i think a few things from really just the foundational side of this is structure with your tech stack so things like how are you communicating as a company and for, for us, we started off very quickly using uh, Slack, for example, for instant messaging. We have our email system. 
And I think having different ways and communication vehicles for folks across the company um, helps immensely. So I think any company that is expanding, just making sure they know what tech stack they're gonna be using and being deliberate about how they use it. So for example, Slack for us is much more of a informal conversation. You wanna catch up with someone, you wanna have a separate group where you can connect on different hobbies, um, or you have a quick question and you can see that they're online versus email, which is much more, um, I don't necessarily like the term formal, but it's where you know you can really get into projects and make further decisions and kind of flesh things out a bit more. And then Zoom we use, and that's really you know great for just video connections, sharing screens, collaboration sessions. So I think from a, a very foundational point of view, making sure that your company is very clear on what you're using and how you're using it, and that you you write it down right, have a communication best practice Google form or whatever it is that you're using, so any employee can pull that up and be like, okay. I'm feeling maybe a little overwhelmed by the amounts of slacks coming through. Is this normal? How can I change this up for myself? And um, I think that is first and foremost kind of the best thing you could do for yourself, especially now if you're in the situation like so many companies where you're forced to be remote and all of a sudden you're realizing we haven't had to think about this before. I think taking that step back and just saying how we want to structure this and going through an exercise around that um, will save you lots of time and pain in the future more than anything. And I, there's, there's so many different aspects of this, so forgive me if I'm a little all over the place. Um, but one thing that I, I love highlighting that we do, which I think is super cool, um, since the day we were founded up until now, we have a weekly all hands run by our founders and they always kick it off, introduce our new joiners with a fun fact about themselves. And then each team um, can present kind of an update for the week, depending on where we are, what we need to focus on. And we always end it with uh, like in any other business section where you could give a shout out to someone and thank them for their hard work. You can give us a tour of your home office. You can, you know, kind of tell us what's on your mind, something like that. And it, we've, we've never not done that. And that cadence, that weekly cadence, and it's a 30 minute session, so it's not a lot of time but it's really helped us stay connected across each location and it's recorded. So if you can't make it because of your time zone, you can always watch it back and pop a question to someone afterwards. Um, but I think that has helped really keep us aligned as one wider team. And it's, um, it's really just been something that we get great feedback on every time we think maybe we should move it to every other week or something. It's like, no, no, people love it. And, you know, I can, speak to that myself too. It's just been a, a fabulous thing to stay connected and see everyone on the screen once a week. I feel like that's a great way to test how effective it's been. Potentially pose the possibility that we might be taking it away <laughs> and see what the reaction's like. <laughs> that's kind of as with most things, right? Especially benefits and perks. It's like, are we thinking of changing it up? And then you'll really hear how people feel. <laughs> that's right. Anybody who's been on the sidelines will be in the game at that point. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I do think the cool thing about um, just the past few months and with just how much everyone's had to change the way they're operating is it's really provided us an opportunity to think about, well, what is working for us? What's not working for us? Why are we doing things this way? And I think that's another just great thing for any company to stop and think about as they are thinking of expanding and opening new locations is don't just go with what you're currently doing really kind of hold the microscope to it and, and ask yourself, is it working? 
And if it's not, that's a great thing to understand and make a change on. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, that's a great point. And another other things that you mentioned as well, too, in terms of the tools that you use to stay connected, I imagine obviously getting buy-in from everywhere where you have a prominent location is a factor in the decision-making process when you're thinking about what tools you're going to be be using to remain effective. But it's super interesting now. I know you have a lot more experience than some that are kind of been, like you mentioned, have been forced to make this transition given the changes to the global landscape because of the pandemic. So that experience, I have to imagine, has paid off tremendously well. However, what's super interesting that I've seen kind of take place is that the decentralized nature or the the remote presence that exists now, which is many multiples higher than it was previously, has led to some of these other positive benefits as well too, where perhaps, you know, people, some examples could be less commuting, uh, more interaction with their, you know, home life. I'm sure some people have been able to find better balance there as well too. So it's a, it's a fascinating case study if all, all across the board, realistically. But I think what has been really interesting is like, you mentioned this process where you have that weekly all hands, and I love that that's done by the founders, right? So it really stays true to who you guys have always been, which is awesome. And um, what's interesting is that when you have a process like that, that works really well. And I'd love to get your take on this as well, too. Even if you are decentralized and calling in from all over you know, the world, different time zones, all kinds of stuff, different cultures, is you can still feel like a relatively close group if mm-hmm. you've got a process that works. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's so many new studies coming out right now, too, that have just been fantastic with distributed workforces and the need to have more structure than you think. I think it was almost like 5X the amount of structure of a company your, your size. Um, and it, it really is true because you have those, those touch points that are baked in, you know they're gonna happen, you know when, you know what's gonna be talked about. And it might seem a little overwhelming at first to kind of have that consistency. Then once it's there, it's almost just kind of like you're sitting at the dinner table with your, your family every night. You know, you expect it and you enjoy it. You most of the time get a good laugh at some point and it just makes a really, really big difference. I like the personal touches to the process as well, too, where you're able to kind of learn more about each other, explore someone's, you know, virtual or home office or what have you. That's cool, too, right? Because you yeah. get to do more than just learn more about something specific to the work that you're doing, get to learn a lot more about the person and their life and and things that they do besides work. Exactly. And that's actually been a really fun thing about all of us being remote right now is that you have more of an inside look, right? Where people can see where my living room is previously, they might not have. Um, So what we did on the all hands is from, from day one, we always had new joiners introduce themselves and give a fun fact. And it was awesome because then you could ping them right after and be like, Oh, that was so cool. Tell me more about this. And we kind of realized when the pandemic hit, we haven't really gone back to the folks who have been here a long time and and asked what's new about them. And so for some reason, Mr. Rogers, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood, it kind of stuck in my head. And I was like, why don't we do a digital shadows neighborhood? And it's welcome to our neighborhood. And so we have that section now and we line people up each week. And it's actually been, I feel, you know, some people are going to be a little cringed out by that as always, but most of the time it's pretty fun and it's been it's opened a lot of really cool conversation starters or look, you know, meeting someone's kid or seeing their dog. And it's, it's uh, kind of the new highlight for my week now. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, that's a great, great throwback. It is. Yeah. It was so, really fun. I want to ask you about another topic as well, too. And we started to talk about it previously, right? 
where it depends upon what it is that we're measuring, how we're measuring performance and effectiveness and all that kind of stuff, but developing the relationships and then forming some form of like a healthy competition, right? I'm curious to learn more from your perspective on this as well too, because you, you guys are uniquely challenged with such a global presence, right? And offices all over the cultural elements of how work, you know, just work of and in itself is approached probably having an impact on that is, is my guess. So I'd love to hear you talk about this as well too, in terms of how do you go about thinking about developing a culture that fosters healthy competition uh, where people are engaged, you know, and understanding and respectful of the nature that different cultures do business slightly differently, right? It may not be dramatically differently, but there are subtle nuances to the approach. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a really fun one because I think we've managed this in a handful of ways and it hasn't necessarily always been intentional. I think it was just the, the tone our founders set when they built the company too. Um, for example, the just Al and James, our founders, are just the nicest, most welcoming, approachable people you could ever meet. And I think their first few hires, which the, you know, your first few hires of any company really cement that tone across the way. Um, it was really based on, are they capable? And do we want to work with them every single day? And I think that's kind of what we've kept with us in the spirit throughout at least the five years I've been with the company where um, we just really like working with each other to begin with. So that makes a big difference. And within that, we're able to, of course, you have, you know, maybe U.S. sales versus Europe sales. And it's pretty fun to see, oh, who's kind of leading the way this quarter? What's going on? But at the end of the day, a sale is a sale for the company and it gets us to our goal. And it's not an us versus them. It's a we all want to be successful within that. So I think you have to be deliberate about setting those reminders. And that starts, I think, with the leadership team cascading that downwards, where you, of course, can kind of spark it with a little banter here and there. Um, but really then seeing your, your leaders come together and give you the same message around, you know, what is it we're working towards and working um, with each other on. And I think that's where these all hands really help tie that back together. Um, so we also do things like when we we're able to be in the offices and we've done this a little bit more virtually too now, you know, even quiz nights or virtual happy hours, something like that, where you're able to just kind of uh, have some fun and kind of joke around with each other in a less formal way and kind of let off some steam and, you know, not have, uh, I guess it's the kind of work hard, play hard mentality where, you know, you, you can, you can laugh with everyone at the same time you can get on a call an hour later with a client and knock you out of the park. Um, and I think we've always just had that kind of playfulness ingrained in our culture. And what, what I think was really cool too, was when we opened in San Francisco, our, our CEO, Al, he moved out there and having a founder present in the U S when we first opened and be there every single day, really made a big difference because you had one founder still in London, one in San Francisco. So again, very organically, we were able to have that culture kind of thread across the locations and having folks to be able to then travel between locations and keep that consistency up is a super important thing. So I think that's, you know, a piece of advice I would give for any company looking to expand when the world is able to travel again. If there are a handful of executives in your company who can be present in a location for six months to a year or frequently rotate through, um, that will 
be incredibly impactful in keeping things aligned. Um, one way we like to look at our, our culture and competition is we try to remain competitive within our regions because there's a lot of apples to oranges for things like benefits, compensation, everything under the sun. Um, so there has to be differences and that's okay. And we've learned to embrace it and see, okay, Dallas might be, Dallas is actually for us kind of our, our snack central. They love their snacks and they have the coolest snacks, I think, at all, any company location. But San Francisco has the coolest coffee and we have, you know, a whole espresso, like fancy barista machine there. And London has the best beer and wine fridge of all the offices. So, you know, you have to have something that really cements you as your own kind of identity in that location. But then at the same time, we all have the same values that we're responsible to, you know, embody throughout our day. Uh, we all have the same goal at the end of the day, too, with our sales, you know, where we want to be. And I think having some of those things just read it all together helps keep that competition healthy and productive. There's so many cool things to unpack there. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Sorry, I just got so excited. <laughs> no, that <was> awesome. <laughs> so I... If I am to do my best to kind of uh, summarize a couple of those points, right, the com to the competitive nature, it's basically how I would summarize it is, right, celebrate the wins together first, right? Yes. And that's, that's the focus, right, is we're, we're all successful together. And, you know, we win, we lose, but we do that together. Mm -hmm. Then you can have as much fun as you'd like otherwise, but make sure that that is primary, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, then you talked about, uh, other things to have fun competing over and it was like you know those quizzos those game nights that kind of thing I think that's also really cool because it's an opportunity to scratch that like competitive itch for the teams and however they compete against you know each other although we're still part of the same unit but we can compete over something that isn't necessarily purely work related so we can have fun with that we can learn more about one another but then like you said we can go back to being productive together for the organization because that is critically important when I think back to the teams and the companies that I've worked for, for which I had the most fun while still, you know, being successful, I can still remember doing like we would do Quizzo Fridays where they would like bring pizza into the office, which obviously you could still do, uh, yeah. you know, regardless if you're with each other you know, remotely or whatever. Um, different offices can, can celebrate that uh, at the time respective for them. But then we would do like Quizzo together, which was really cool. And I had a lot of fun doing that. And it was a great opportunity because like I didn't always interact with everybody else yeah. from the organization, but I always did when we did that, which was really cool because then I could get to know them a little better. It was an opportunity kind of like, and then we would, you know, obviously pick teams and you always be on a different team. But if you work with somebody on a team that you may not work with on a day-to-day -day basis, which was really cool. It only increased, you know, the, uh, it helped improve the culture. It definitely did. And I remember yeah. those things. And when you, when you have those, those, those physical meetups, and they don't have to be often, but when you have them too, it, it just drops down every barrier. And it's incredible what it can do for engagement. For one thing that we've been able to do, um, I don't know if we'll be able to do this this year, but we've every um, December flown everyone in the US to one location, everyone UK EMEA in one spot and APAC um, to celebrate the holidays and the end of the year. And we typically have it be, you know, one night where Digital Shadows puts on a really great dinner party, paint night, whatever it might be, the theme might be for that year. Um, and so each region is able to get together. And it might be the only one time, you know, you see someone in, in person throughout the year. 
and it, there's something magical that happens about that. You know, it's like the second people start arriving, you just feel this energy and you walk away with a new friend or someone else that you're like, I didn't know you were working on that. So I'm going to ping you tomorrow and we're going to, you know, dive into it. Um, and I think it, it doesn't have to be, you know, high, high cost things either. It just having those small touch points makes such a big difference. And um, it's something that you just really can't forget about. You have to really be intentional to make, make those informal moments happen. Absolutely. And that's an excellent example. So a lot of awesome content we're talking about there. I know, and I know some of our listeners have this question for you as well, too, for someone who has so much experience doing this and managing this effectively like yourself. For those out there that have been kind of like thrust into this fully remote presence or a much more significant remote presence than they were before, perhaps they even had things running very well previously, but it was largely done in person and now it's remote, now it's virtual. What's the best advice you have for them to try to figure out how to recapture that or to continue to manage it effectively moving forward if for the foreseeable future or maybe ever they're not going to have the opportunities they once had where they were with each other in person all the time yeah i think it's really taking a moment to to step back and kind of clear out your head and your space i think this sounds really it might sound a little weird or like what where are you going with this at first but one thing we talked about in um, a manager forum we had recently was kind of just around this and re resetting the way in which you're kind of operating right now and the first thing was really just look at look at your desk and your environment is it clean is it organized it's something you can actually really control and how are you starting off each day and ending it with you know making a plan for the next day or that morning and I think starting off like that, where the rest of the world, the pandemic, not knowing when you're going back to your office, you cannot control that. So just accepting that and being like, okay, what can I control? At <laughs> first, it might be cleaning off your desk. That's going to actually give you a lot more clarity within your head to tackle that day and then really be able to, to kind of be your best self in that moment. Um, I think the other thing is just really working out a new schedule for yourself and your teams and, and knowing you're gonna have to be more flexible. So if someone can't make your typical 10 a.m. calls because they have childcare now and they have to, or help a, a sick relative or go grocery shopping, something like that, not looking at that as someone not working as hard or messing up your day, it's just a new normal and a new habit you're gonna have to set. So sit with your teams and really figure out what what that work schedule is going to be like for you individually and as a team. Um, for example, the wider team I sit on, you know, we, whenever something comes up, we just slack to the whole team, you know, hey, here's what's happening today. I'm going to be out from these, from this hour to this hour. Um, I'll be back if you need anything. If it's an emergency, here's what can happen. Um, and I think really just kind of taking that time to reset the expectations with each other is kind of the first first and best thing I would recommend for, for anyone to do. Um, another thing which I've found super helpful is just for focus, because I think it's really hard to be in a new environment, especially if you have roommates, kids running around, dogs, and all of a sudden you're just kind of like working from your bedroom even. You know, you don't actually get a change of scenery throughout the day. Um, one of my favorite techniques is called the Pomodoro tactic. And you basically set a timer for, I do um, 20 or 30 minutes. 
and you focus on one particular thing. And maybe that is setting up your schedule for the week on you know, your, your email. Um, it could be just specifically going through one spreadsheet or task list, something like that. And you focus on it, you don't have Slack up, you don't have your phone on, anything. The timer goes off, you give yourself a five minute break and then you reset it again to do something else. So even if you know you only have 60 minutes in between calls, which can be a really tough thing to kind of reset your focus on, if you start doing little things like that and really add in that structure throughout your day, I think it will make the adjustment a lot smoother. I feel like you've done this before. <laughs> Once or that twice. Is, no. <laughs> yeah, right. That's uh, some excellent guidance realistically and a great way to think about it. I love how you start small and build from there, right? So realize that you may be limited in what you have control over at this point. So get a handle on that first, right? Take care of what you can control, then immediately flip to what can you do for your team, right? Working out those schedules, what's going to be effective for them. I imagine communication would be a big part of that as well also. So I think that's excellent way to think about it. And, uh, big fan of the Pomodoro technique as well. Also something that right, right. really helps me break up my routine because otherwise I'll just keep spinning until, you know, spin out of control. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so structure helps. The structure is a huge help. Right. And one thing that I always find myself going back to, um, so I am a huge fan of a book called Profit from the Positive, based in positive psychology. It's like leadership tools and techniques um, from written by Margaret Greenberg and Sonia Mayim. And I, they're just amazing human beings, professionals, just mentors, fabulous. And one thing they always ingrained into me when I took um, their certification course through it and partnered with a learning community with them is what's kind of the, the smallest change or decision you can make today that's gonna have the biggest impact. So is it just, I'm gonna block off the first 15 minutes of my day every day to just look, to just skim my emails? And, and how is that gonna change my day? And really, making it feel less overwhelming. And I think asking yourself that, what is one small change that's gonna have a big impact consistently? It, it, it really helps reframe things, especially when they just feel so crazy like the past few months have. That's such an excellent framework to, to work with and will be effective pretty much forever. So yeah, yeah great, not even within work, right? You could use that outside of work too. Yep, 100%. Awesome. Well, Libby, I can't thank you enough for being here and sharing your expertise with both myself and our audience. I have a couple questions for you before we let you go. And the first one is, what resources would you recommend for the audience to kind of dive in further about any of these topics or to learn more about yourself or background or your company? Yeah, of course. Thank you. So um, resources that I love that I always go back to. So I mentioned the Profit from the Positive book. Um, you can easily order that off of Amazon. Uh, also, Margaret and Senya's certification program within it. Um, it's just an incredible one for anyone looking to build a, their skill sets within coaching. Um, it's really fabulous. Could not recommend it enough. Life Labs Learning, uh, if you go to their website too, we use them for a lot of our manager trainings. If, you're, if you work within HR, people operations, talent, you can join their Slack group as well or their uh, culture clubs which are now virtual, and they're a wonderful uh, free opportunity for folks to, to kind of network and learn more just generally about things like coaching, feedback skills, all the core elements of what you need to align when you're expanding your company. Um, and 
for how to find me, I'm on LinkedIn with Ifumara. Um, you can go to our website too, digitalshadows.com, and you can find our careers page pretty easily there. We have lots of blogs and resources too. Um, if you are interested in learning more about Digital Shadows, that's a great first stop, but also connect with me on LinkedIn. We are hiring, so if anything I said sounded great to you and like an environment you'd want to be in, we, we want to hear from you. Thank you so much for sharing uh, all of those resources and the contact information as well to Libby. Thank you for that. Um, you probably had mentioned this, but what would be the best way for people to reach out and connect with you if they want to uh, connect with you to learn more? Yeah, so you can just direct message me on LinkedIn. That's probably the, the quickest way. Um, we also have a, a careers at digitalshadows.com email that you can send an email through to, and um, it'll be myself or one of my colleagues on my team, and we will get back to you with that. Thank you so much, and I'll include all of that information in the show notes. Awesome. Well, thank you a ton, Libby, for being here and sharing your incredible expertise and knowledge with both myself and our audience. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the People Analytics Podcast powered by StaffGeek. If you or anyone you know is a leader in human resources or talent acquisition and would be interested in being a guest on our show, please reach out to me at sean at staffgeek.com. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at staffgeek, S-T-A-F-F-G-E-E-K.com. We would love to share your valuable knowledge with our audience. At this point, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, StaffGeek. StaffGeek helps companies hire smarter by increasing retention and combating turnover all while reducing time to hire. They do this by creating a customized behavioral assessment around your company's unique culture. Armed with your fit tech assessment, you're able to evaluate which candidates are the right fit for your company's culture. Start hiring smarter today with StaffGeek. If you'd like to learn more, reach out to StaffGeek at hello at staffgeek.com or visit them on the web at staffgeek.com.